Opening day starter, no surprise there. Going to do some draft talk, start with uh, a mock, talk about some of the players that in the early showing appeared like they would be traditional targets for your Cleveland Guardians. And maybe a little bit of the Jose, more, we'll do a little chat about where the roster is shaking up as a few more players have been sent down. All of that in a moment on Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jeff Ellis, those are Locked On Guardians, as I have been for approaching 700 episodes now. Before that, I was the lead prospect and draft analyst at Scout and 24-7. Before that, I was a writer at Indians Baseball Insider, had stuff up here on the Cleveland fan, waiting for next year. Did the Tribe win last night? I did a podcast appearance. You know, I I popped up pretty much everywhere on draft time, uh, either as a guest host a uh, guest on the podcast, a guest writer, or just my work being quoted. So I am sure you've been familiar with me. If you are a Guardians fan, if you're turning, turning, if you're tuning in uh, because you're just a draft fan, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I don't really tend to dig or make fun of any fan bases. This is a safe space. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, pretty opening to all. And uh, I want to thank you for joining. I want to remind everyone and thank them for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcast. And also throw out the whole, you know, writing review is a simple thing you can do that really helps us out. Uh, Liking, subscribing on the YouTubes, uh, getting us up over a thousand subs. That is our goal. Uh, I don't know how long that will take, but I really appreciate anyone who can help with that. Uh, You know, subscribe, subscribe. just a simple thing you can do. And now that I've done enough blabbering, let's talk about shock and awe, right? Shane Bieber, opening day starter, uh, third straight year. I, they, I mean, there's no debate here, right? <laughs> I don't think there's anyone even approaching his level. This isn't like a few years ago when uh, the rotation was like legitimately three of the top 15 pitchers in baseball. Now there's Bieber. McKenzie could step up to be like a front end guy. It's been interesting seeing, you know, there's either people who seem to think, like, he's trash, or then there's the people who kind of want to anoint him. The second half went well uh, when he came back. Don't get me wrong. He was fantastic, but there were still some starts in there that were some question marks, and there's still the velocity maintaining issues that that are some question marks. I mean, I think, like, at this point, he is a safe four with a chance to be a really good number two Carlos Carrasco type of pitcher. Going forward, I think anyone running out either narrative beyond or below that is probably exactly doing that, running a narrative. I mean, personally, I know I did lineups, but if I was looking at this rotation, the way I would set up would be Bieber, Quantrell, Savali. Then I would run uh, McKenzie and then Plesak 5. I just think, you know, unless last year was the aberration it really looks like uh 2020 was the aberration for plesak and he is just strictly a four five type not a whole lot there beyond that and that's not a knock on him that's incredibly valuable to have especially with multiple years of control so i'm very content to have uh that is my rotation you can hit me up on my twitter at jeff draft which you can currently see on the screen if you're watching on the youtube uh let me know what you think about that uh the other kind of interesting piece of information is well there's two 
So let's just get into those before we dive into all things draft and do a mock because everyone loves a mock. I mean, come on. I was born and raised in Akron, uh, Northeast Ohio kid, loved my sports, obviously hosting a Cleveland-based podcast on a daily basis. But I mean, the draft is, uh, I refer to it as a national holiday in Cleveland, or I guess a city holiday, a regional holiday. Uh, Hope Springs Eternal, and it was always you know, exciting to see who the next young prospects uh, would be. So uh, that was always in my blood and <laughs> became what I got a national job as a writer for. So that will be all coming up. Uh, so one, the Guardians decided Sandy Leon doesn't have enough in the tank, and he decided that, hey, I'm going to opt out of my contract if I'm not going to make the team. I don't blame him for opting out. It's uh, it's a real ugly situation if you need a catcher on the free agent market. At the same time, there's a lot of catching available in trades. Like San Diego currently has like four catchers on their 40 man. They're going to have to do something. Toronto has like three or four on their 40 man. They're going to have to do something. Uh, Contreras with the Cubs could still be on the move. It, a lot of it's just kind of waiting to see. It's like, so if you're looking at the Cubs, you assume that they, they're going to hold on to Victor Carantini because he's Darvish's personal catcher. Uh, if they don't get an upgrade, Austin Nola is their projected starter. Jorge Alfaro, they traded for. I have no interest in him personally. I know other people do because, I mean, he was essentially a first baseman uh, who got moved to catcher to be a below-average catcher with a plus bat, and then he was a below-average catcher with a below-average bat. Uh, there's a reason why Miami moved on. Uh, but like Toronto, it's like Reese McGuire has been a pretty solid backup type. You know, he's in line and he's probably buying Luke Maley, uh, who's currently sidelined. Uh, and then they have all their, you know, Kirk is probably gonna get some time at DH. Danny Jansen, I assume will be their starting catcher. Gabriel Moreno is, you know, fastly charging up, might be the top catching prospect in baseball. So there's a lot of catching out there. Uh, I mean, heck you got the twins who are, you know, Gary Sanchez, Ryan Jeffers, um, they still got to figure out what they're going to do. But yeah, I, I'm curious. And that can be one of the things too, honestly, is the Guardians might be operating. It's like Leo had nothing left in the tank. And I mean, I think back in 2020 when he was here, he had nothing left in the tank and we saw that. So I don't fault them for deciding like, okay, we'll see how things shake up and shake out with other teams. And also it's like the 40 man, you know, I know everyone's probably tired of me saying it, but if you add Leon to the roster, you have to add him to the 40-man, and who are you going to cut? Who are you going to cut? They can't afford to let go of any of the pitching there right now with you know the need for piggybacking and with starters not being ramped up and everything else. Uh, do you cut an outfielder? I, it doesn't appear that's what they're going to do. You're not going to cut an infielder. So uh, they just don't honestly have a choice right now. I mean, they desperately... I mean, we need to get into the season is what it comes down to, right? We need to get into the season and someone needs somewhere on another team to have a bad enough injury. Not that I want to wish injury on anyone, but for the depth that the Guardians have to come into play and be able to make a deal. Uh, I mean, there is a world where it's like, uh, you know, I guess with San Diego, it's you know, if they're desperate for outfielders. It's like, is there a world where it's like Zimmer for a, for and I don't like Alfaro, but it's like, could Zimmer make sense uh, for a McGuire? Maybe something like that can work. There, there's ways to figure in things you can go through. Uh, but right now it's like, I, I'm happy that they made the call they did. It's not great for La Vestita to like essentially not get to play hardly at all. 
Uh, it's great for him to be on the roster. Um, that, that's great for him as a human being. I'd, you just would love to see him get more reps. But it looks like they're going to just have him go out there, which uh, it's because they don't have another choice. It, it's like basically the debate is there's two things. One, maybe they don't think of him anywhere near as highly as I do. That this is another like Eric Haas situation. And he's there and he's okay, but they're not that high on him because they value defense so much. Or two, it's just they don't have a choice. The 40-man is what it is. And they're going to have to run him out there. Uh, the other interesting bit is it looks like, you know, Quan versus Clement, who's going to make the team. I'm hoping it's Quan. I still think, too, that both of them have a chance to make it and Naylor start the year in AAA. I think him getting the rust off still makes the most sense. And then, you know, boy, the internet ran today when Brian Reynolds was not, like, out with the team and we were all discussing uh, potential trades. And I threw it out there. <laughs> it was, like, my tweet of the day. It's like... Imagine how much you could flip the narrative if, like, in one day you announced the Jose Ramirez extension and then followed it up with a Brian Reynolds trade. Uh, you could just really... Uh, and someone's like, you know, uh, Pat, good old our friend uh, Pat at Tangible Uno is like, I would trade uh, Straw and Prospects, and I would do that too, but I'd also love to keep Straw and just trade Prospects and imagine the ground that Quan, Straw, and Reynolds would cover in the outfield. I feel like no ball would ever just drop. You'd have no pop flies for hits. And that's an outfield you could have for the next, what, four years, five years? Four years, I think, with Reynolds. Um, I, th- let's be honest, and this is where, it, you know, today there were more glowing reports of Daniel Espino in multiple places. I, I mean, the reports basically make it sound like teams feel like he could go out and pitch now. You know, the long and hanging piece said that he's better than lighter. So if he was available in last year's draft class with what he was, um, you know, he should have been a top five selection. You know, I still have my concerns, and we talked about it on the show yesterday with Lindsey. Um, I also get, and I've talked about, like, the fact that he could be the greatest reliever in baseball. Like, I, I've always believed in this stuff. I don't know if I, you know, if if it works out, he's a unicorn. That's what it is. And, I, and I'm never going to bet on a unicorn working out. That's just me. I think that's, that's kind of the sucker bet in baseball. I could be wrong in this situation, and it happens a lot. It happens. It happens a lot. Uh, so... You know, I'm just going to sit back, and if he is great and I look like an idiot, I'm going to be very happy. Uh, if he ends up more matching what I see and he just becomes one of the best relievers in baseball and you have, you know, uh, a Spino Class A and that becomes the equivalent of, well, I don't want to, I mean, in my mind, I always think about Wetland and Mariano, but Wetland ended up being a terrible human being. So uh, help me out with that on Twitter. Hit me up with a better comparison of, like, the best 8-9 combos you can think about, I, they have a legitimate chance at that. Um, but if Espino can, you know, maybe he's just, you know, athletic and extremely flexible, and that was something that got talked about yesterday as well. If Maybe, again, if he is just a unicorn and he can hold up, he he could be a really, really special pitcher. I'm just never the person who bets on unicorns, and again, I'll be totally content and happy to be wrong in this situation. But yeah, that's that's kind of our Guardian's rundown of information. Uh, you know, the sources out there still seem to be believing that uh, this extension gets done. I'm not going to fall to sadness until <laughs> you know the rug gets pulled out. Until then, I'm going to believe that it gets done. But yeah, that is what we have with the Guardians. Hopefully, it's looking like a better chance for Quan Lavastida uh, making this team. Uh, and you know, the 40 man is still just an absolute disaster show and something that's going to need to be addressed throughout the season this year. We're going to take a quick break here, come back, I'll give you my promised mock draft. If you are a fan who is not a Guardians fan, 
that's where you're specifically want to be tuning in. And our first fantastic sponsor is over at BuiltBar.com. I know them and I love them. See, I had two Crave Bars today for lunch. And right now it's 20% off site-wide. That means everything on site is 20% off. Banana cream pie puff, churro puff, those are some of my favorites. Those are on sale. I talked about it. I like the Caramel Almond Delight. I know I'm I'm one of those people who's in the minority there with the fact that it's been there uh, for a while. But I love this product. I love everything about it. Uh, I am down to like a box and a half. So I'm going to be placing an order. I mean, I might place an order tonight. I might be putting a churro puff order in tonight. I got to be honest with you. I love the coconut marshmallow. I love the banana cream pie, but I'm probably going to be putting in a churro order before the night is done. 17 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar, 140 calories. Uh, a in my health food app and an A in my heart for BuiltBar.com. Remember that when you go to BuiltBar.com, do what I do. Use the promo code LOCK15. I legitimately use the promo code. I also build up my Built Box and I save even more. You save a ton of money if you do all the right things over at BuiltBar.com. And remember that promo code is LOCKED15. Okay, let's, we are, it's April 1st when you're listening to this. So this will be kind of like almost mock 3.0 for me. Because um, I do the way too early mock, which I can go back and revisit. And I did kind of a preseason mock here on the podcast. So let's sit down and discuss how I think things are going to turn out. Uh, right now, when we're discussing this year's MLB draft, I'm going to go through uh, the first 16 picks to get to the Guardians first pick, because this is a Guardians podcast. I just said podcast weird. And then we're going to talk about pick 35 in the second rounder as well, because I kind of have some thoughts on who might go with those selections, potentially based on uh, just what we know for the past few years of following this team. So without much further ado, let's just get into it. So the first overall pick belongs to the Baltimore Orioles. They have been college production heavy. Uh, They have gone kind of safer routes. They have kind of gone with players that aren't even necessarily the top player available at that overall projected pick. If you're just looking college, Brooks Lee is, of course, the player who makes the most sense to them right there. I do wonder, though, if they might look at Jace Jung due to bloodlines, potentially a little bit further down. Chase DeLotter, who we discussed at the beginning of the year, who was great in the Cape but didn't have top uh, performance when you face the you know the elite competition uh, you know there's a lot of things to consider as you're going through I am going to lead towards Brooks Lee I think that he is a extremely talented player I don't I know a lot of people think he might have to move off shortstop or he might get bigger uh, you know, I've talked about the Baltimore Orioles have no shortstops in their system of note especially um, moving through their top prospects you know Lee is the coach's son high level production very safe type of player I don't know if he's going to be a huge money guy. Uh, he'll probably be cheaper than a lot of the prep players, I would think. So he might fit there. But I, yeah, I'm leaning towards Lee with that selection, which leaves the Diamondbacks with Drew Jones. Andrew Jones' son looks a lot like dad. Uh, Diamondbacks love upside and ceiling. I think most places he's starting to solidify as a consensus number one overall player in this class and makes it easy for him to go two. It sets up the Rangers at three. I mean, I, I can't not put Jace Jung there, right? Um, The Rangers have been a little more conservative the past few years. Again, if you're looking for that conservative college player, uh, Jace Jung makes sense. He has been highly productive. He's hit for power. He's walked at a high rate. Plus, it doesn't hurt that Josh is in system, and Jace is probably more talented than his brother, and his brother has outperformed, I think, what a lot of us expected uh, when he was first selected. So I think Jace Jung is a rather easy selection. That sets up the Pirates at four. And... The question is, do they follow last year's approach? Do they try to go under slot? 
or do they go with the ceiling that we've seen them go chase at points? Uh, I would think Tamar Johnson to them, uh, arguably just the top hitter in this class in terms of ceiling, just pure bat uh, position yet to be determined. But if you just want to talk about what, you know, which hitter has the highest ceiling, it's Tamar Johnson. Uh, I, I don't even know if he has a commitment yet. I think he has just always been so committed to going pro. But yeah, he may not be the pick to save money, but I think if you are the Pirates, he's the player that makes a lot of sense in that position. Um, Nationals at five. This is where it kind of gets interesting because the Nationals, we don't have as long of a track record with them. Uh, they do kind of like to take falling talent. They've also liked to go for big ceilings. And that kind of leads me to Elijah Green, who is sliding a bit. You know, he was supposed to be, at th- this time of year ago, we were talking about him as uh, a generational talent. Uh, there is swing and miss concerns. You know, is he going to be, you know, Joe Adele is not, he's been a little bit of a disappointment as a pro. Is he closer to that where it's like, you know, the athletic tools and the traits, but it's not, it hasn't come together into production. Is he going to be, you know, one of those players? Um, and by those players is like Bradley Zimmer as well. Fits that like where it's, there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of power potential, but the swing and the miss is too much to tap in that power. Um, so, you know, I, specifically, I mean, you know, like I said, the Bradley Zimmers, um, so far, Joe Waddell, some of those guys where there's just massive physical tools, but the swing and the miss ends up overpowering everything else. From the Nationals at five, I think he makes sense. He is the sliding talent. And the Nationals MO is to take sliding talent. It's sometimes hard to find a sliding talent with the fifth overall pick. But based on, like I said, a year ago, where people were saying Elijah Green would have been the top overall pick in last year's draft that he would be available with the fifth overall pick in this draft. Uh, to me, that is a sliding talent. The Marlins, they went uh, they went college with Blade and what was Burdick in the second or third round for them that year. And last year was Cleo Watson, who they then had to figure out how to shift money for to get him signed. Or it was Max Meyer in between them. So they've, they've been more college. Uh, Watson was maybe just a case of, wow, we can't believe he's here for us. So if you're looking at players, uh, Dylan Lesko might make some sense. Uh, he's kind of that top tier uh, prep arm. You know how I feel about prep arms, though. They are a little too risky for my personal taste. Uh, the college catcher group is kind of entering this area. Um, in terms of some of those players that you hear a lot about, would they consider like a, you know, Jacob Barry, who some places is very high. Um, the other player, the kind of we're hearing, I mean, one of the big ra- rise, razors, risers of late might be Jackson Holiday, you know, Matt Holiday's kid, who, if you see a picture of him, looks all of like a 12 years old and is playing exceptionally well. Uh, I think right here with this pick with the Marlins, there's a part of me that goes Dylan Lesko. Now, again, they have not taken that prep arm early. They have stocked up pitching, they have gone out of their way to add electric type of talents. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I retweeted Brian Sikowski, our friend of the show. I've only had him on once, and I mean to have Brian on again. I love Brian. I think he does it as well as anyone. But he straight out said it. Like, he was talking about someone else. He's like, teams are becoming more risk-adverse in the draft. Uh, prep arms tend to slide just because teams are more concerned. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's people who think Lesko is the top player in this class. And you're getting him at six because he's a prep arm. And I could see the Marlins taking that risk. Let's put it that way. When you're looking for landing spots for him, the Nationals could be that team. Uh, there's a chance, you know, he could go five. I think he could go six. 
potentially four to the Pirates. They did take some chances last year on prep arms, but I also think he might be a little bit more expensive than um, some of the college players, which is also something to consider. We're going to take another break, come back, continue doing this mock. Our next sponsor, our next sponsor is Bet Online. Uh, they've been our sponsor for a year plus now. After months of playing college basketball, has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, player props, you name it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to your head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now I do have to say one thing with Bet Online. I've never been more tempted to, um, I you know, I've let it be known. I'm not a gambler, but Steve Kwan is currently plus 5,000. Or I should say Stephen Kwan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't call any. I've, I've got family. I've got friends. They're all just Steve to me. Uh, but Stephen Kwan's plus 5,000. Like, he is a real solid dark horse candidate for Rookie of the Year. There's part of me that is very tempted to go put, like, 20 bucks on him. At plus 5,000, I mean... <laughs> it's I, there is a chance this happens like every projection system really likes him this feels like a like a opportunity to uh to really fall into something so we'll just we'll leave our ad read there with that and let's talk more mock so we finished up with the marlins and i need to start moving faster the cubs right so the cubs went pretty safe a year ago after going with upside with um Ed Howard, then they took a very A's approach. So the question becomes like, who is potentially, you know, is it Jackson Berry, who it does feel like people are a little bit down on him uh, right now at this point in time, when you're looking at draft stuff, you know, is it the louder here? Is it someone else? Is it one of the catchers? Uh, you know, I, when it comes to the Cubs, part of me wants to say, Hey, apparently they're going to take all of the catchers. Um, but with everything in place and the new, you know, head of the organization coming from your Cleveland guardians, I think the approach would be if there was a college arm, I felt successful projecting there. I would strongly consider one, uh, since there is not, um, you know, what we've seen the guardians kind of lean into are those up the middle types over the years. Uh, unfortunately, again, not a strength of this class. If you're looking for like middle infielders, so one of the other things we have seen, and you know maybe this is some crazy talk here, uh, is um, youth, and we have also seen you know ceiling type of players, high ceiling types, and, and Cam Collier, maybe it's surprised to put him this high. He's just 17 years of age uh, in JUCO. Early, we were supposed to be in next year's draft class. You know, son of Lou Collier. Uh, it's it's an off the board selection for them. And again, there's part of me that's like you know, the, everything that was set up, but everything that was set up last year was again, different head at the top, different organizational, organizational approach. If you're looking for that guardians approach, when they started their rebuild, I mean, they were very age, uh, model conscious. So yeah, Cam Collier, I think in physical tools, he's got it. He has a lot of reasons why he could be the dude right there, um, for the Chicago Cubs twins on deck. So what have the Twins done? Last year was Chase Petty. It was a very different player for them. I feel like this is a team that is 
uh, setting up for, you know, more now and not not more no, more now. Maybe players who can help them get to the big leagues quicker. You know, they've liked athletes. They, you know, it's again, the Falvey is a, a former Guardians guy. Uh, Chase DeLauer, I think, is makes a ton of sense at that pick. Young for the class, physical tools, did well in the Cape. We know that has been something that has mattered to the Guardians a lot over the years. Uh, I think he makes a lot of sense there. They like athletes. Uh, I know they might already have a ton of outfielders. Co-host wants to come in. He has thoughts. You want to say hi? But DeLauer, DeLauter makes a lot of sense for the Twins. Royals. I just had this moment where I'm like, man, I can't even remember who the Royals drafted in 2021. I uh, just had a complete mental breakdown with that. So I have to pause and look it up. Everything else here has been completely extemporaneous outside of like my list of names, just so I could have that. I didn't look it up, and I'm not going to look it up, but they're the ones who went completely off board with the left-handed pitcher uh, who I liked more than most, who was like a Connecticut high school kid, right? So they, they, went, they have been a pitcher-heavy team through the past few years. They seem to have leaned into that. Uh, they could draft, you know, <laughs> Drayton Moore's son. Uh, it'd be a little bit of an overdraft based on him having a rough year where he is right now. Um, I think just when I'm looking at, like, considering names and everything else, if they decide to go pitcher again, Jackson Ferris, left-handed pitcher of IMG Academy, uh, is kind of solidifying, I feel like, that number two spot over Brock Porter right now. Uh, and lefties always end up going higher. So it's part of me is thinking that he makes kind of the most sense overall when I'm just looking at pure, like, who is there, uh, who faces value. It's like him, you know, Brandon Barea is probably in this one. I already mentioned Brock Porter. Um, now, you know, it's... Jackson Holiday is the other one who's very tempting. I'm going to go with Ferris. I'm going to go that they take the risk on the prep player with that particular selection. So it takes us to the Rockies at 10, uh, another you know organization that has had some changeover at the top and just some changes in just the complete structure of how they're doing things. Uh, again, they it was a weird year right, for them in general. Uh, the tried-and-true approach for the Rockies to be successful um, has often been to get power but i'm going to actually project jackson holiday here who you know son of matt holiday and he's just he's probably been one of the biggest names in terms of like late rise uh i don't know if i want to say late rise like he's been known for a while but he's you know and remember matt played and started his career in colorado for a lot of years so there's also like that fun storyline but he's totally worth the pick as well so yeah, I'm gonna go with with the Rockies making a fun selection with Jackson Holiday there. Mets at 11. It's hard to judge the draft approach. Um, a, you've got you know a new person there, maybe temporarily, uh, maybe for the long haul. Uh, last year's one was also you know they saved all the money for Kumar and the Kumar's medical were bad. You know Epler had an interesting run with the Angels, not a ton of success. But he might be another player. Player, um, you know, he might be someone who's willing to lean prep here. Uh, there's still all of the college catchers as well. Uh, I feel like 
you know, when you're looking at what makes a ton of sense, there's the college performers, the college hitters, the college catchers. Then there's, you know, who's left from that prep talent group. You know, do they go a little bit younger? Do they try to get, you know, and essentially what I think it comes down to is you're trying to figure out maybe trade chips. If you're this team, like who is going to allow you to have a bigger trade chip later and then just, you know, best player available Going through all of this uh, with multiple picks, I think taking Jacob Berry makes a lot of sense. Like he has been a you know a bit of a down year this year, but you're just getting a relatively safe bat that a lot of places had as like a top three player before the season began. He hasn't been like stellar for LSU, but he's still been good. Uh, they could go catcher as well, but I think Berry has a little bit more ceiling. Tigers at twelve, they seem to not be able to quit. Um, prep arms uh, Brock Porter being a big strong local kid I, I would just be tempted to slot him there over Berea who's a little bit smaller and they haven't been as big on that and that's right we still have not had a college pitcher named uh, the Tigers yeah I mean they, they took the other one would be an athletic high school outfielder that's they still follow the old approach from when Dam Dombrowski was there but there isn't really that it, I mean unless you want to look at like Brock Jones who's not a high school kid We've kind of gotten through the the big name high school players at this point in time. Uh, we know it's not going to be a shortstop. That much we can guarantee with the Pirates or Pirates Tigers draft record. Angels at thirteen, uh, pitching right. That's what we saw a year ago. Let's just go all in on pitching. Um, and they went, you know, very kind of safe-ish a year ago. Could this be the first pitcher off the board? Is this like where we could see the first college pitcher? I'm not even sure if there's a consensus, if it's like Tidwell from Tennessee, who, you know, ha- has had some injury issue this year, um, you know, is that where you want to lean in? And I wish we could just see more of Tidwell because he does remind me vaguely of uh, Sam Bachman from a year ago, who was the the pick. I- I'm going to go with one of the catchers here. I'm going to slot them in uh to one of the catchers in this class and i'll say this it is interesting when you look at all three catchers because the guardians could have a need a catcher you know daniel Su- uh Suisak is the switch hitter with great contact skills guardians love that but he's a draft eligible sophomore so he's always been old for his class guardians not as big on that logan tanner is the defender but he's got swing and miss to his game and you know i think it's more just he's got the swing and miss but he might be the strongest defender Kevin Parada is the one who's young for his group. Like he's not going to turn 21 until August. He's 20 the whole year. He's the best bat, but probably the worst defender. Going through all of that, uh, I would lean Parada, which is how he's performed as being the one to the Angels here. Like if they decide to go with a bat, adding a catcher, adding someone who has been well known and famous for years, and it's such a good class. You know, there's uh, Dunhurst, right, is the old Miss catcher. Um, Metzinger, who, you know, he's going to be 23. That's a big knock on him. It's just age, but he's outperformed everyone. He's been one of the top 10 hitters in the country in general. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we're starting this range where catching makes sense. We got the Mets again. So after the Mets went and, uh, grabbed kind of the safe first base power hitting type, uh, who would they come back at? Who is someone who kind of would be an interesting target? So if you went... Epler, I feel like, didn't draft prep arms. 
But the the ceiling player here, when you have that money, it would be Brandon Berea, the lefty from uh, American Heritage in Florida. Um, some places, I believe, have him in the top 10. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, now, it's a little bit silly to put four prep pitchers in the top 14 of this draft because we know prep pitchers tend to fall in general due to the risk. Um, but honestly, it's like if I didn't put him 14 in the Mets, I would probably have him go to the Padres. Like It just feels like their type of selection. Uh, again, when I'm looking for Epler, you know, he he's the guy who drafted Joe Adele. That's, that was his big kind of pick. And there isn't, you know, who is the, the high school outfielder you're really looking at here. If you're looking at that group. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of my thought. I think a sleeper though, could be Jude Fabian. Who's, uh, you know, he has cut down on his strikeouts. He's hitting for, uh, has all the same tools. He's playing really well. He, you know, he was, he, he knew exactly what he needed to improve. He improved it, and he's still younger than many juniors in this class. So just a, a guy to keep your eye on. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm going to have them go ahead and take Berea. What do the Padres do? The Padres, honestly, at this point, are just going to take you know the top player, uh, probably just to gain more trade assets uh, when you're looking across some boards at who I think you know people would – tag is the top available player having gone through i mean that's that's a problem right it's not a class you feel a high consensus on so is it is it a prep arm potentially uh from the high school or college class i kind of lean towards dylan beavers here just because he's played well um i do wonder if like jude fabian would be a little bit cheaper probably feel like he isn't and this is where we're running into it right like this is not a great class (laughs) Right. The the depth that I thought would be there has been swallowed up by injuries and ineffectiveness. So I, I lean towards Dylan Beavers. He's had a track record. He's got athletic tools. He's an interesting player um, with this pit. Oh. Now I'm starting to go back on my thoughts. I'm like, eh, eh. I'm going to give him Daniel Susak. Padres are chasing catchers all the time, right? <laughs> they want nothing but catchers. Uh, he's hitting over 400 still. He's got bloodlines, uh, two knocks are, you know, he plays at Arizona, which is a very hitter-friendly environment, and that he's just a draft-eligible sophomore, which means he's always been kind of old for his um, competition level. And with that, I, you know, Cleveland, it sets him up perfectly. They love a Logan. Logan Tanner is the defensive first catcher. He doesn't necessarily have the hit profile that they like. That would be more uh, Susak. He doesn't have, like, he's not necessarily old for the class, but... Uh, he's not young either, like Parada. So, but they love a Logan. So Logan Tanner, catcher, right there at 16 for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, then, you know, at 35, if he gets there, I still think Hunter Barco makes a ton of sense. You know, and he's kind of all over draft board. Some people hate the shape of his fastball and think he's just going to get hit a ton. Others are okay with him. Uh, you know, if not those players, uh, I think 35... Either the Florida State pitchers also make a ton of sense. Parker Messick, Bryce Hubart, whoever is there, if they're both there, whoever you like a little bit more. But I think either of them. And then I would say in round two, I've talked about before, Drew Thorpe. Um, you know, we talked about him on Wednesday show when I was previewing things for down the road. Uh, he might be more of a third round guy, but he's moving up boards. People have always liked, the, you know, he might have the best change up in the class. Uh, the fastball is good enough to get by, and it's one of those pitches you feel like, as a fan of the Guardians, knowing their development, they would get even more out of. 
Uh, and the Guardians had no problems like drafting a guy around early to ensure they got the guy they liked. Plus, the upside, as always, well, maybe not as always, uh, you have to, he would be a guy who'd fall under that 15% rule. So you'd have to offer him 15% of slot. In the past, you'd be like, okay, we'll draft him around early. We'll save like 500000 then use that later on to help get another player. Can't really do that anymore. That's how the system has changed, right? I am Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Ian's podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps our show grow. Uh, I apologize for any of the weird pauses. I've had a bit of cough, and I just didn't want to cough on air. Uh, I was trying to save your ears. Um, go hit the YouTubes. That helps us out a bunch. The download dailies, the reviews. And as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.